Yeah. So, I am going to issue a few warnings here before this podcast episode officially gets rolling. First and foremost, psychedelics can, and I, I stress that word can, be extremely dangerous. Okay? Uh, statistics show that about 10% of people that, that go in on psychedelic experiences have a hellish experience. Now, for me, that happens about maybe 80 to 90% of my trips. There is an, there's a tiny part of the trip or a big part of the trip that is absolutely hellish. But I can tell you that it, there's always beauty and amazing catharsis that comes out the other side of it. But regardless... 10% of the people have these hellish experiences and bad things can happen if you are like stuck in one and someone tries to wake you out of it and that kind of thing. Be extremely, 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 extremely careful. There are all kinds of safety protocols. Uh, I'm not going to rehash them because I've mentioned them a lot on my previous episodes, but do your research and research the proper safety p protocols of doing a psychedelic trip. Now, don't let me scare you out of it, though, because, like I said, they can be dangerous. A lot of times, most people will not even have a hellish experience, and it will be unbelievably amazing and cathartic, etc., etc., etc. Anyway, so that is warning number one. Warning number two is that this episode is going to be extremely long, okay? I mean, we're already damn near two minutes into into the episode and I'm just giving warnings okay but th this is going to be a long episode the topic after all like one of the topics is infinity right and, and, and again that's just one of the topics so imagine adding something else to infinity right so uh, trying to unpack such a intense and crazy topic like infinity is going to take a while and I need to introduce you to certain concepts and, and stuff like that before we can even kind of step across the threshold of maybe thinking about what infinity could be like. Okay, so regardless, this is a long episode. Okay, warning number three that I'm going to issue. We are going to encounter and talk about the concept of death a lot in this episode, okay? And it will seem at times, and probably probably a lot of the time, that I am glorifying death in a way. It, one of the things that I've learned in my psychedelic experiences is that death can be a beautiful thing. In fact, I personally believe, like on the other side of death, is infinite beauty. And death is merely just the entry point, the gateway to that infinite beauty. So it follows for me that on the human side of death, it can be scary and terrifying and such, but then on the spirit side of death, it is the most beautiful thing imaginable. I will be speaking about death in those terms. I'm talking about on the spirit side of death, the beauty there. So don't think for a second that I'm saying that people dying of cancer and, and being killed in car accidents and, you know, murder and all this other stuff is, is a good thing. I am not saying that... Uh, not at all, not even close. So none of you out there, you know, please don't get any bright ideas about like, oh, well, if death is beautiful, why don't I just kill myself or other people or anything like that? That is not the objective. That is not what I'm trying to convey. Please don't be uh, so, gosh, what's the uh, myopic that, you know, that is what you think. And the fourth and final warning that I'm going to issue here is that 
there are going to be some very, 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 very controversial things said about certain religions, you know, towards the end of this experience. There are infamously three religions in particular that are at violent odds with each other. And I am going to be making some comments that was basically downloaded to me during my psychedelic experience that paints with a very broad brush across these three different religions. Hopefully you will hear, uh, that, you know, and hopefully it's, it's very clear that I am talking about the fringe extremes of these religions. And hopefully it's equally clear that each of these religions get their equal share of uh, criticism, so to speak. My hopes are that it doesn't come out as a lopsided kind of um, browbeating session. Okay, so that's all I had as far as warnings are concerned. Now we can start with this insanely long episode. Uh, Yeah, as I mentioned, it's very long. And it's going to be like 10 minutes or more before we even get into the actual real content. But I do think it's necessary to kind of get your mind in the right mode of thinking because we are approaching the infinite after all. So here we go. passage you are about to hear is not taken from a scientific nor a philosophical treatise of any kind. These are not the words of the ancients like Aristotle, Augustine, Renaissance thinkers like Galileo and Thomas Hobbes, nor are they the words of modern science, Einstein, Schrodinger, Hawking. Quite the contrast, the following is taken straight from the pages of bureaucracy. On September 10th, 2003, in accordance with the Freedom of Information Act, the federal government released volumes of previously classified documents to the general public, and it is buried in those documents on page 13 of a U.S. Army intelligence report investigating altered states of consciousness, where you will find one of the most jarring paragraphs in the history of written language. The following excerpt is that paragraph. Physicists define time as a measurement of energy or force in motion. In other words, it is a measurement of change. However, in order for energy to be in motion, it must first be limited in some way within the confines of some sort of vibratory pattern so that its confinement gives it the capacity for being contained at a specific location which is distinguishable from other locations, i.e. space. Energy which is not confined is force without limit, without dimension, without the limits of form. It is infinity and cannot move because there is nothing beyond infinity and is therefore outside of the dimension of time. It is also beyond space because that concept implies that a specific energy form is limited to a specific location and is absent from other locations. But if energy is in the state of infinity, there are no boundaries, no here to differentiate from there, no sense of area. 
Energy in the infinity means energy uniformly extended without limit. It has no beginning, no end, no location. It is a conscious force, the fundamental primal power of existence without form, a state of infinite being. Energy in this state of infinity is termed by physicists as energy in its absolute state, or simply, the absolute. Between the absolute and the material universe in which we experience our physical existence are various intervening dimensions to which human consciousness and altered states of being may gain access. Theoretically, Human consciousness may continue to expand to the horizons of its perceptual capability until it reaches the dimension of the Absolute, at which point perception stops, because the Absolute generates no holograms of or about itself. Unquote. Y'all, what you're about to hear in the next two or three hours, I don't know how long this one's going to be. It's going to be epic. This is my swan song, if you will. So I'm firing all of my cannons. I'm putting everything into this one. And for good reason. The subject, after all, is infinity. How in the hell do you encapsulate and approach infinity? Infinity is a lot to take in. I mean, human beings have been debating the whole concept of infinity for millennia. It's something that really shouldn't exist, but it does. Infinity seems to be a highly conceptual, abstract thought, relegated to the lecture halls, symposiums, elite philosophers. Yet infinity is used every day, wielded by high school students as a cornerstone of calculus. The same calculus responsible for most of the modern technology that has become so interwoven and inseparable from our daily lives. You ignore and deny infinity to your own detriment. But not only in terms of mathematics and science, but as we are about to learn in the most brutal way imaginable, the nature of reality and beyond as well. But what is it? What is infinity? Can a conscious being like a human experience it? Can we see and or feel infinity? On the evening of November 30th, 2021, I experienced the infinite. And for nearly three hours, it was relentlessly and uncompromisingly blasted into my skull. And let me be the first to tell you, if ever given the opportunity to see it, to experience infinity, take my word for it. Don't do it. I'm recording again. Let me replug my headphones in one second. A few months ago, I sat down with my longtime collaborator to discuss what I remembered from my last ayahuasca experience. Are you ready for trip 10? I'm ready. An experience so cosmically horrifying that it will likely be my last. 
I, I'm apologizing to Jesus right now because I'm I, I I swore that I would try to curtail my my cussing. But are you ready for the fucking unbelievable, fucking crazy, fucking shit that's about to fucking happen? I am, but I feel like I heard so much crazy shit that I'm like, are you going to surprise me or what? Because uh, you have no idea what's about to fucking happen. <laughs> <laughs> During the course of my one and a half year spiritual awakening, an awakening chock full of deeply intense psychedelic experiences, astral projection, and mind-blowing synchronicities, I began receiving undeniable signs that I needed to quit my career and start a new path in life. And apparently I have this new path in life. Mm -hmm. The only issue was that I had no idea what that path entailed. And I went on that ayahuasca trip on the 20th of November to try to figure out what that path was. And I, I really just didn't get much information there. Yeah. Yep. And even though that experience was one of the most amazing experiences of my life, two important things did not happen. And I realized, hey, look, I missed out on an opportunity here. I did not let myself fully go. In my head, I was like, dude, I blew it again. Each one of these trips, my, my goal is to kind of like finally quote unquote die and, and blast off and go to heaven just like they always say happens in ayahuasca and DMT and all this other stuff. I did not die again. And I did not get the details about my new path. I legitimately did not get an answer on what my new path is. Or at least I thought I didn't. Like give me specifics. Like I am quitting a very well paying job very well benefited job yeah for the record i was against that yes you were so i decided to go in once more i didn't get the answers and so i'm like damn it one more round i have to go in again one more conversation i gotta go in again i didn't get the answers with god and when did you when did this happen this trip it was uh november november 30th uh 2021 and this is one of the most terrifying days of my entire life. Uh, no, it, it straight up was the most terrifying day of my entire life, like bar none. I've been to multiple. I've been on multiple trips to hell. Uh, I've, I've almost died mul multiple times in real life. This by far was the most terrifying thing that has ever happened to me. I, I will say that the, the what I did differently though going into this trip is that I had someone challenged me on something they said hey they were like you are not seeing god you are not seeing angels what you are seeing on these trips are are demons like they are tricking you this is all of trick and i was like oh really i like th th there was a guy on youtube actually that was telling me this and i was like oh really he told me he was like hey you really should try to test these entities and try to test them yeah like apparently Seems like a horrible idea to me. I'm sorry. No, you're actually right. It does sound like a horrible idea. Um, apparently, there's, in scripture, if you encounter otherworldly beings like this, that you can test them to see if they are legit messengers of God or not by mentioning Jesus. Say the words, Jesus Christ. So I, I took it a step further, and I was like, I was like, okay, on this trip, I'm straight up bringing a crucifix and my Bible that I had recently purchased into the ayahuasca experience. And I take my ayahuasca. This is the nastiest stuff. 
I take the, the, the first three ounces, I take the second three ounces, and then I, then I start eating the apple. Ooh, it's time to have some chips and eat an apple. Um, and I'm sitting there and I, I'm seeing like some trippy stuff, no, nothing too bad. There's all those weird shapes and stuff again, my hands broken. And, and I have the crucifix next to me. I have the Bible actually open to, it's the verse, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Um, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Yep. And, and yeah, I figured, that one open? Yeah, so I figured I figured that's a good one to go into, like, if you're going to be threatened mm-hmm. with hell, to, yep. to have that open to. So I have the crucifix and the Bible right there. And I look over at the crucifix. And I see this shimmery kind of thin membrane, if you will, that is kind of separating me from the cross. There's a barrier kind of like a force field almost there was a very clear demarcation between me and it and right when the significance of that barrier between me and the cross started to kind of sink in that's when what I'm calling God showed up mm-hmm. and I grabbed the crucifix because again even though I know in my heart of hearts that this really is God if it actually is a demon that is trying to trick me, I would not know uh, much of a difference. And I've never brought up Jesus to this thing, right? And so I'm like, okay, this is this is this is the moment. I got to test this thing that I've been calling God. I've got to see if it really is. So I grab the crucifix, and just like you would see in a vampire movie, I hold it out in front of me like this and point it at it. I'm sorry, I have to do this. And I say, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. And I felt myself being pulled by my shoulders back. And I'm, I'm being pulled by my shoulders. The cross is still in my hand. The cross becomes so incredibly heavy that I can't hold it in my hand anymore. It collapses. My, my arm collapses. I'm falling down and back. The cross gets so heavy, it lands directly in the middle of my forehead, facing out, like Jesus is facing out. And I fall to the ground. And the cross, the weight of the cross is bearing down on me and forcing me down. And I fall into hell. And here's the thing, I've been to hell plenty of times. At least half of my trips have had a hell experience. But this time, it was different. Way different. I remember it being very cold, very dark, very gray. And usually there's, there's a exterior malevolent force that is trying to attack me or kill me or rot me from the inside out. That wasn't there this time. This time, the malevolent force was me. I wasn't fighting off demons. I I, I was fighting off myself. No joke, I got into a life or death wrestling match with myself. And it is the most 
bizarre concept or configuration that you can possibly imagine. I mean, imagine trying to reach out and grab or punch or, or push or whatever somebody and the amount of energy that you are exerting is exactly the same amount of energy that is being exerted back on yourself. It's as if like when you push the bones and muscles and tendons in your arm turn right back around on you and push back. And I was dying down there, like I felt my heart stopping. By the way, I felt this overwhelming sense of doom and despair and dread. And it's indescribable what it felt like. Utterly indescribable. It was so miserable, sad. It was a, there was a very, very deep, deep, deep sadness. So deep you can't explain. Like, the, the closest I can come to describe it is just imagine the, the hardest and deepest cry that you've ever had in your entire life and multiply that by about a hundred billion. It was as if everyone who has ever lived ever on the planet was all having that deep, intense cry all at the same time. But the overall feeling was weight. Extreme weight. And by the way, the, the, cr the cross, the crucifix is still in the middle of my forehead, just weighing down on me. And I can't get up. I'm trying to, but I can't. And I hear a voice emanating from the cross that says, let it weigh you down. Really? Yes. And I could not believe what I heard. It was so clear and so crisp. Let it weigh you down. And right when it said that, I struggled a little bit more. Crucifix still right in the middle of my head, on the ground, looking up. And in that moment, for a tiny split second, I felt uh, the tiniest bit of what Jesus may have felt on the cross, dying for our sins. Let it weigh you down. I just wrestled with myself down there. That was hell. Which direction is the freaking microphone? It's over here. That was hell, ladies and gentlemen. That's not a freaking joke. I fought with myself. Just like I'm fighting now, fighting with myself. And as I began to recover from that, that harrowing trip to hell, I was finally able to grab the crucifix from my forehead and, and, and pull it off. And I remember looking at the crucifix and being overwhelmed overwhelmed with the most intense feeling of sacrifice that I could possibly ever imagine. I mean, it's one thing to die, right? It's another thing to be tortured to death while you die. But it is a whole other thing when you are tortured to death with the entire weight of the world on your shoulders. All of the evil that humankind has ever done, is doing now, and will ever do in the future. Rape, 
murder, genocide. That man swallowed all of it, all of it, on that cross that day when he died. And I felt a tiny, tiny fraction of what that felt like. All of our uh, heroes that we've ever worshipped ever on the planet, all these superheroes and comic book people and all the ancient, you know, uh, Hercules and Achilles and all these people, they do not have anything on that man. Anything. And I know that uh, Jesus is supposed to be all about love, right? All uh, Everything is about love, right? But his sacrifice and what it embodied in me and, and how it felt was the most extreme sorrow that you could ever conceive of. And that message hit me hard. Think about this. I was wrestling with myself in hell. My, it's basically my sin wrestling against my higher self down there. And I, I, I likely only felt my own, um, the weight of my own sin. But in, in, again, in that instance, I, I, I felt what it was like being Jesus or whatever on that cross, dying for everyone else's sins. And I was thinking to myself, imagine this times, uh, I, I, I saw a statistic about how many people have lived on this planet since the dawn of time. And it was like a hundred billion. Mm-hmm. So Imagine a hundred billion of that, like the, like that times a hundred billion. And when I had that thought, I let myself go like, like the, 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 the me that was wrestling me down in hell, let me go. And, and I was able to finally like lift the cross off of my forehead and pull myself out of hell. And it was, it was through that understanding of what, of what Jesus sacrificed himself for and all that weight of all of the sin that, that he had on him. And to me, that was just, that was just unbelievably deep. And you, you know, I, I could see someone, a skeptic, like uh, one of these, uh, what I call turbocharged Christians. I could see them saying like, well, Hey, uh, you, you did the test. You did the Jesus Christ test on this entity that you think is God and it failed. Mm-hmm. Like when you held out the cru- crucifix and said Jesus Christ, you did not get an overflowing of love and welcoming. Instead, you got pulled back into hell. That is a negative response. Uh, therefore, he failed the test. This this entity failed the test, and it is a demonic entity that means me harm. Mm-hmm. And without sounding too offensive to these people who think that, um, all I got to say is. Tisk tisk yawn yawn. Okay, to me, what I interpreted uh, of what happened was that God shows up, and here is this snot-nosed, uh, I mean, just uh, infant, basically, in the whole spiritual realm, shoving the 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 symbol of his sacrificed son in his face. And I don't, I don't care what I saw before that. I mean, I saw some signs of the cross, and I had that, um, that sighting of Jesus that that appeared in, uh, you know, in the form of reflections on my shower. But I truly do not know the man. Like I, I do not intimately know 
what Jesus was like, what he was all about. I've only barely started reading the Bible at that point. I do not know what I'm holding in my hand and wielding as a uh, essentially a weapon. Yep. And so if I'm God, (laughs) I'll tell you how I would react to that. I would say, oh, you think you know what that is? (laughs) Let me show you what that truly is. Before you just blindly wield it without feeling, let me show you what's truly going on behind this symbol that you are holding in your hand. And he showed me. And I can tell you that I'm not going to be so... Uh, arrogant as to say that I fully understand uh, Jesus and and who he was and what he was all about and what he did and everything. But I can dang sure tell you that I know him a lot better than I ever did in my entire life ever because of that 10-ish minute ordeal. The message sunk home. It is very clear now. So when that fully sunk in, and and I fully understood what what was going on there, slowly the the, the color came back to the room, it it became a little brighter. All the psychedelic kind of like effects kind of like withered away. And even though I was blown away by what just happened, that was probably probably the most unique trip to hell that I've had. I was blown away, but everything stopped, you know, and I I was kind of upset because I was like, hey, I, I, I want to get these. I want to get answers. Dang it! I'm fucking done, y'all. I'm done with this psychedelic bullshit. It's like I had a, already had a botched uh, attempt, and now I, I've had this. And yeah, that I learned a lot. I'm like now, now me and Jesus, like we've had a, an emotional connection now. If nothing else that I get out of this trip, at least I got that. But at the same time, I'm kind of like I don't have any more clarification on my path. And so I start, mm-hmm. I start calling on God, and and I'm and I'm upset with myself too. And I'm like, hey, look, I'm, I remember saying like, I am so sick of this psychedelic bullshit. I'm done with this bullshit. It's like I have this big stigma on me. I'm known as the the psychedelic guy, you know, and and my family thinks I'm weird and they think I'm in a cult. What the hell has Andrew gotten himself into this time? You know, it's like what the freaking psychedelics, and this is his tenth trip. I, I'm doing these crazy things. Now they think I'm even crazier because I'm quitting such an awesome job, and it's because of you, God. Like, what in the hell has this wacko gotten himself into? Like, what? And he's quitting his job? And you have not provided me answers, and I was like, I really want to see you and talk about this. That's what I want to talk to God about. There's so much at stake here for me. So much. It's so stupid. I'm sorry, God, but I just wish there was a different avenue aside from psychedelics for me. It's going to be a stain and scar on my life forever until I die. I'll be the psychedelic guy. I hate that. (laughs) I don't give a shit anymore, man. It's like, what else am I going to get out of this bullshit? I'm quitting my job. I just want some answers, God. I just want some answers. And and, and I instantly kind of realized what I was doing, uh, demanding God to show himself and, and being forceful with him. And I instantly was like, what am I doing? Like, I, I can't be 
calling on God like this. This is not polite. <laughs> you know, this is very rude. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That is very rude of me, God. I know you're a forgiving person. I hope you can forgive me for that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was a temper tantrum, okay? You've taught me better than this. I'm sorry, okay? And I was like, what do I do? How do I, how do I truly call upon God to help me? And right when I thought about that, a song comes on my Bluetooth speaker. Ah. <laughs> yeah. A beautiful song by my dear friend, just one of my favorite people ever, Mighty Orc. My boy Mighty Orc. And you'll never guess the name of the song. And the name of the song is Let Us Pray. <laughs> For crying out loud, Let Us Pray. Wow. And it's on his album called Prayer Book, and it's my favorite album of his. Such a sweetheart, this guy, Mighty York. I mean, such an awesome, awesome guy. Just the, the most beautiful music. If there is music being played in heaven, it is this album, period. That album and, and maybe some Corinne Bailey Ray, but regardless, th that album. There's a reason why he makes such beautiful music. It's pouring out of his soul. I mean, right in the moment when I'm trying to figure out what the best way to call upon God is, Let Us Pray comes on? So that's what I need to do, God. Are you kidding me? I need to, I need to pray to you. And I was like, of course. Of course. That's the way I ask you for help. I have to pray. I have to pray for God to, to, um, to, to give me the answers here. So that's what I did. I gave God all of his requisite praises, uh, uh, you know, ahead of time. I was like, you know, God Almighty, creator of everything I see, um, you know, so on and so forth, titles, titles, etc., etc. Um, and then I, I was like, please, I, I'm, I'm desperate. I, I need help. I, I, I need guidance. I know I'm on this new path, but I don't know what it is. Please show me. And right after I've concluded that prayer, the whole floor of the restroom became a sea of gold. And what I mean by that is, imagine liquid gold, but I don't mean molten, just imagine like if you could liquefy gold, and it was like all just kind of shimmery gold, with these really bright, really, really bright golden sparks that would, that would leap out at you. A sparkles, if you will. And, and I heard a voice that said, lay down. And so I was like, okay, so I, so I lay down and, and into this golden sea. And, and by the way, these golden waves are splashing onto me and like washing over me. And all I feel is just love. Every wave that hits me is just love, love, love. And then I heard a voice that says, uh, lay on your side. And so I turn on my side and it was so amazing. It looked exactly like a beach, but with golden waves. And I, I had no idea at the time, uh, but now I know that this was basically God revealing himself to me in full form. And this sparkly sea of gold was just the, the beach of God. And just like here on Earth, you know, beaches are a beautiful place and it's a, it's a habitable place for humans uh, to, to enjoy and, and bask in, in that beauty. But 
that is just the beach. There's a whole ocean out there. And you know, every time that I'm at the beach, at least once, I try to look out at the, at the expanse of the ocean and, and just ponder the, the vastness, the, the mystery, the wonders that, that exist out there. I mean, us humans, we're, we're frolicking around on the shoreline here, but, but out there, you, you got wonders beyond the imagination. I mean, you got the Mid-Atlantic Ridge out there, which is basically a, a, a line of volcanoes that is spreading the tectonic plates apart. I mean, you got the Pacific Rim that's basically kind of doing the same thing. I mean, you get these deep-sea hydrothermal vents where you have a whole ecosystem of life down there that is uh, sustaining themselves off of just the energy of the vent only, not, not, not the sun. And, and then you got the Marianas Trench, you know, Challenger Deep. Go on YouTube and look up Challenger Deep. I mean, Challenger Deep, the Marianas Trench, is deeper than Mount Everest is tall, okay? Mount Everest is almost six miles tall. Challenger Deep is deeper than that. If you plucked one of these humans who are enjoying themselves on this nice, sunny, beautiful beach and just teleported them into Challenger Deep, that, that person's uh, fragile little human body would be crushed within like a thousandth of a second or maybe even less under the weight of six miles of water. It is an absolutely alien and inhospitable place for a human being. Completely unfathomable. That is out there. That really exists. And it's, it's amazing. Uh, all of these wonders, you know, the Mid-Atlantic Ridge, the hydrothermal vents, Challenger Deep, they're all in the same water that is lapping up on the shores where humans are basking in the sun and enjoying their little beach day. So keep that analogy in mind here as God begins to uh, uh, make his grand entrance. Like, I'm just on the shoreline at this point, okay? So anyway, so I, was, uh, I turn on my side and I'm next to the, the bathtub and waves are splashing in and, and pulling out just like a tide would um, of golden love, basically. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, is that I had like a pulled muscle in my groin area. Your groin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was weird. I thought I had a hernia for a little bit, and, and yeah, oh, oh, shit. I, yeah, yeah. And so I thought I had a hernia. It ended up being just like a pulled muscle kind of thing, and it was very uncomfortable for me to lay on my side. So I, I was like, hey, I can't, I can't do this. I have to turn back around. So I turned back around, and God says, okay, then close your eyes. And so I said, okay. So I closed my eyes, and I, upon closing my eyes. The most beautiful thing that I've ever seen in my entire life, it cannot be topped, ever. And it started off as this little golden sparkle. And this golden sparkle kind of grew and, and just exploded into more golden sparkles. And it, 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 it kind of unveiled or unfurled the, this huge landscape and what I saw in that landscape was too unimaginably immense and awesome to describe like it's impossible to describe the totality of what I saw there because there were only certain things that were familiar enough you know like scales and geometries and colors and just overall concepts that are actually possible in our universe mm-hmm like the rest of it was impossible to exist in our universe 
probably like 70% of what I saw I cannot describe. But what I can tell you is that what I saw was boundless, immeasurable. And the shapes and concepts and colors that I could recognize, it formed this giant highway of liquid gold. Like flowing, but, but structured gold. And this highway, it started at me and stretched you know, curving up and to the left into what looked like hundreds, if not thousands of miles. So it, it wasn't just like a, a 2D picture. I mean, you, you could perceive depth. Mm -hmm. And the depth, like I said, was boundless. But it wasn't just the, the golden highway that, you know, took my breath away the most. Attached to the highway, you know, kind of on, on both sides, almost like exits on the highway, were these huge, like, midnight blue, like, seed or, or pod-looking voids. It was a similar configuration to peas in a pod, but these pods were kind of, um, catty-corner or offset with each other, like, stacking up and up into infinity. Uh, it kind of looked like how wheat is configured on the, on the stalk or the stem of the wheat, kind of, uh, Wheat? Yeah, like, like wheat. Like, it wasn't like uh, the seat on the other side of the highway wasn't directly across from it. It was it was slightly up, so it was... Yeah, like slightly offset, yeah. Yeah, offset. So, yeah, just, just imagine a, a golden highway with these uh, beautiful uh, midnight blue voids kind of offset and stacked like wheat, stretching up and to the left into infinity. And again, because these pod, you know, like void thingies were attached to this golden highway, they started off where I was and stretched up and to the left forever. Mm -hmm. From what I could gather, you know, just kind of putting two and two together, it, it looked like I was sitting on a giant fractal spiral arm. You know, something like you would see in the Mandelbrot set if you just kept zooming in. Except what I'm calling voids, they weren't pods or peas or seeds or even voids. Like, the ones closest to me were so huge that you could actually, you know, in very easily peer inside of it. And what I saw in there was the cosmos. The, the, the cosmic web, the, these neuron-looking filaments of galaxies. The, the freaking cosmos. These pods were universes, little, uh, you know, bubble universes. I was looking at none other than the multiverse. What? I was seeing, I was seeing every universe spiraling up in this fractal kind of swirl all the way up. And I was like, oh my God, like this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. This is the multiverse. This is infinity. Like, like, this is what humans know of infinity, right? We can bust out our calculus and this, that, and the other and come up with this. Like, um, that's, that's our knowledge of what infinity is, right? And, and, and it, it blows me away. It is the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And there was a very incredibly bright light up at the top of all of that that was starting to descend down. What I'm calling God is descending down these bubble universes down towards me. 
and he's getting closer and closer. And by the time he hits like kind of my leg area, I start to feel, I don't know how to explain it. Um, melting is not the right word. Dissolving isn't even the right word. What I feel is a very warm breeze and parts of my body being taken away by that breeze. And it started with my legs. Mm-hmm. And, and, and accompanied, accompanied with this is, is a very bright flash of light when stuff is starting to float away. So it started with my legs. And my again, it just kind of floated. It was very peaceful. And it started floating away. And I was like, oh, that is awesome. It feels so good. And then, then it started creeping up to my pelvis area. That kind of floated away and, and caught the breeze and left as well. And then, then up towards my chest, same thing, floated away. Every part of my body this happened to, and then it even got to my to my brain. And I felt the left side of my head float off like that, like get caught on the breeze and go. Mm-hmm. And it was only the right side of my brain that was left, and. For whatever reason, when that happened, my, my right side of my brain was about to go as well, and I, I got really scared because I felt myself dying. And I resisted, and I, I was like, I don't know, I don't remember how I fought back, but somehow I did, and I was able to resist. And whenever I resisted, I kind of snapped, like, the parts of my body kind of reassembled themselves in a way. And I opened my eyes, and much to my amazement, I was back. Like, I thought for sure that when I opened my eyes, I would be somewhere in interdimensional hyperspace and basically would die instantly. But that wasn't the case. I was back in my master bathroom, fully intact, you know, but still laying on that golden beach. And you know, I'll never forget the initial aftermath. I felt like I was some futuristic astronaut who has just returned from some epic, you know, decades-long voyage to the center of a black hole and back, or something like that. It was amazing. And in the moment, while everything that I had just experienced was starting to sink in, my entire journey, like everything that I was trying to fix about myself, it didn't matter anymore. I don't care anymore, and that's the point, y'all. It doesn't matter anymore. When you see when you see something like that, it doesn't matter. But that sense of amazement uh, didn't last that long uh, when I started kind of putting things into perspective. Very similar to my hell experiences. What always happens is that the first several minutes after returning from hell, the visuals and the concepts and, and just the, the overall gravity of the experience are, are fresh while you're regaining perspective. And in that transition, that uh, penumbra of perspective between the natural and the supernatural, when you're playing back what all just happened in your head, I don't know what it is, but there's something about that process that makes the overall experience absolutely mortifying in retrospect. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's hard to explain. Like, it, it was absolutely mortifying in the moment, don't get me wrong, but now that you have an earthly perspective on th- that thing that was so alien and abstract, it makes it even more mortifying afterwards. I gotcha. 
Yeah. But of course, that all makes sense after a trip to hell, right? Uh, but to my amazement, I had that exact same feeling, if not more intensely, from this glimpse into infinity. It doesn't matter. And I gotta sit up because the power and glory of God is so much to take, it can kill you. And so I set up and I kind of pulled myself out of it in a way. And um, the first thing I did is I went and I grabbed the crucifix because I was like, I'm, my life is in danger here. Like, I, I need help because it was so friggin' intense. Like, very, 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 very intense. But this, but it was beautiful. Imagine being killed by beauty. Man, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. Uh, it was unbelievable. But, but, but that's when things kind of shifted a little bit. So I pulled out of it a little bit. I was able to be coherent enough to grab the crucifix and hold it in my hand. And I, I thought to myself, okay, well, um, you know, Jesus is what you know. Jesus was a a real person, but apparently was divine as well. So if anyone can help me try to piece together the infinite here and and put it in a way that's not going to kill me, it's this guy, right? So I pick up the crucifix and I'm, I'm using it as a shield almost from the from the absolute power of God. And the power had subsided. I think God may have realized that, like, okay, he's, you know, this may have been uh, pretty intense for, for dear old Andrew here. So let's back it off a little bit while he finds his little crucifix. And the second I found it, I think I made a couple comments and stuff. And uh, I was just like, wow. It took a little bit for it to kind of hit me. What happened? God showed himself to me. I'm going to make that very clear. And I was just like, whoa. There is what in the world? Damn, y'all. Whoa. There was so much power there, it almost killed me what I saw there. And I don't want to die. There is so much power in that that it can kill you. <laughs> And I don't want to die. Like, 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 because you, in the moment, you're just kind of taking it. And then it's afterwards that you're like, what the heck was that? And I'm just sitting there like, what in the heck was that? Like, whoa, my God. Like, like, what was that? What in the world? It was, it was so beautiful and so amazing that it was terrifying. I mean, I saw the freaking multiverse. And that's just the part that I could describe. The 70% that I can't describe... I don't know what else to say except it was beauty, grace, forgiveness, love, like nucleated, uh, personified, like, like something that you could not only see, like, like it, it had uh, colors like I've never seen before and, and a geometry that, that can't even be conceived of, but I saw it nonetheless. But it wasn't only sight, it, it, it was sound, touch, feel, uh, spatial recognition, all of the senses. It was a permeating force that enveloped and wove itself seamlessly into all of existence, but with infinite potency. I definitely saw God. So to say that it was a little too much to take in is the understatement of, of, of existence. Oh, God. But we're not done. We're not done. Once I had gathered, you know, gotten my composure and was like, what in the world was that? Then... All of a sudden, I got hit with another wave. And it came in just like a little ribbon of, of uh, rainbow, kind of like shimmery rainbow 
almost like you know that you look on a, a, like a soap uh, bubble, like the surface of a soap bubble, and you see that that shimmery like rainbow kind of like looking thing. Yeah, yeah, like an oil slick. Yeah, like a right? like an oil slick kind of thing. A wave of that like came in, and that was another wave of of God's true form. And remember how I said uh, earlier how 70% of what I saw in the multiverse vision uh, I I can't describe? Mm -hmm. This second wave that hit me here, 99% of it I cannot describe. And all I can tell you is that it was the most intense thing I have ever seen or experienced in my life. Now, I was talking about uh, the beach earlier, right? And those pleasant little waves that wash up on the shore. This was not that. This was a full-on tsunami. Right, so, so God basically at this point has said, enough with the games. I'm not going to come to you in the form of these angelic beings anymore. I'm going to show you my full... Uh, full brunt, my the the unfiltered God. You know, again, I'm I'm sat up at this point. Uh, I've come back a little bit. I get hit by, by this this wave, and this time it's it's way more life threatening. Like it, it's not just beauty anymore. It's you're caught in this. Aurora Borealis, essentially, of um, just intense pressure and intense waves of every emotion imaginable, all condensed into one emotion. Um, so, so you take you take fear, you take anger, you take um, rage, you take happiness, you take joy, elatement, sorrow, pleasure, like any kind, any emotion imaginable, every emotion all condensed into one super emotion and an infinite amount of that pouring directly onto you. But it wasn't just emotion, it was knowledge too. And uh, that's the thing that was the most terrifying. So your head's about to explode because of all of the power your heart's about to leap out of its chest. You're about to die. But you're also getting within this stream of, of every emotion imaginable in an infinite amount. You're also getting knowledge that is so far beyond, beyond you and your little puny little um, earth and your puny little solar system and your puny little galaxy and, and your puny, puny little universe that you, you can't even comprehend what, what's going on. But, but you do. Like, in the moment, you actually do know what's going on, but there's, there's no way that you can come back and explain it. You talk about cosmic. There is stuff that I comprehended in the moment that was shoved down my freaking throat or my skull or my being or my soul or whatever you want to call it, that it goes beyond a multiverse. It's, it's so cosmically out there that you cannot freaking imagine. And, and the crazy thing is, is I knew it in the moment. I couldn't, I couldn't describe it to you, but my soul knew what was going on. And what I can tell y'all is that there was so much power 
behind that. It wasn't just the infinite emotion anymore. It was like infinite. It was like infinite infinity. That's the best way I can describe it. So you can't even comprehend infinity, right? Imagine infinite infinity. And it was so freaking powerful that I was dying. I make the correlation to imagine laying underneath Niagara Falls. Like, let's say that there was like a platform that they put like right underneath the... Um, the waterfall there, it'll it'll crush you flat, okay? And when I say crush you flat, it will pulverize you. It would kill you instantly, right? So imagine being, imagine sitting underneath Niagara Falls on a platform, a flat platform, and right at the brunt of all that water falling down on you, and trying to get, trying to stand up with that. That's exactly what happened. And I was, I was like rolling around on the ground in absolute agony from this infinite blast from God. I felt myself dying and I was looking at the cross and this, and the cross became like my salvation. It was the thing keeping me alive. And I, 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 I turned to my side and I look at the cross and what I saw was basically a headwind of this, this infinite powers, like being in a hurricane. Mm -hmm. Like you just get this major, major headwind and light itself is being like blurred in the direction of that wind's, wind's movement. And I'm looking at the cross and all the light is just going being stretched. And I am fighting for my life at this point. And I'm like, I'm looking at the cross. I'm like, if I break eye contact with this cross, I am dead. And right at the peak of that, when I didn't think I could take any more, I got hit with another wave. A much more intense wave. With this wave, we're no longer dealing with beauty and emotions and knowledge. This was just full-on power. And again, I, I can't really describe it for two reasons. Number one, it was like looking directly into the sun, but, but worse. Like, imagine looking into the sun being only 10 feet from its surface. It was that intense. But the second reason I can't describe it is because what I saw the few times that I was able to, you know, fight through the pain and look up is too abstract, too alien to describe. But I can tell you that whatever it was that I was looking at, it was the most serious, you know, the dour, most pressing thing imaginable in all of existence. And it seemed to overlay and supersede the, the, the multiverse even. It, it was beyond that. It was beyond what humans know as infinity. And you know, the, the word serious may be a strange choice, but it's the best I got. It was as serious as war. Intense war. In fact, that's exactly what it seemed like to me. A war zone. I was looking at a war beyond infinity. And you know, it's like 
how can I be so sure if it's something that I just described as being so alien and abstract? Well, if you were an ant crawling around on the ground a half mile from ground zero in Hiroshima back when the atom bomb was dropped there in World War II, sure, you would have no idea what's going on around you, but you would know that whatever it was, it was very serious. As serious as war, because it is war. So I'm that ant, and a atom bomb was just detonated next to me. That's basically what it was like. So I'm, a, I'm like, I'm like dying. I feel myself dying. And there was a point where it was like the, the fight or flight mechanism had kicked in. It was just like, I needed to either throw up, poop, or pee. Like all at the same time. And it was, it, it was, I either do any or all of these at the same time or I die. Like that's how, that's how critical it was. And, and keep in mind, I'm still, am looking at the cross because if I break eye contact from the cross, I know I'm dead. That's how serious it was. And I grab the bucket. I'm trying to vomit. Still being blasted in the skull with the infinite power of God. And I'm looking direct because I dare not look away. I'm looking at Jesus just like this on the cross. And I'm trying to vomit, but I can't. And it's it's to the point where I'm trying to figure out like how I'm going to do this. Like how, how do I... I need to vomit because if I don't vomit, I die. And I hear a voice come from the crucifix that says, Here, I can help you with that. First of all, think about the double meaning, the symbolism of that sentence. Mm -hmm. Being blasted with the infinite power of God to the point where I'm about to die. And I'm seeking help in some way. And Jesus says, Here, I can help you with that. But because everything is a joke, it was a metaphor. He mean he also meant he can help me vomit. I couldn't control my hand. Against my will, my hand comes up and just starts getting shoved down my throat to induce vomiting. And thing is, is I couldn't vomit. I still couldn't vomit. And so I looked at Jesus and I said, "Hey, um, I can try to poop. Would it, would that help?" And Jesus was like, okay, go ahead, try to poop. And I was just like, I, I'm sitting in there trying to poop <laughs> to save my life. And I, I couldn't poop either. <laughs> and, but I really, really wanted to and needed to. But I, And so so I look at Jesus and I say, I say, well, can I at least like like pee? I can pee here. And he's like, he's like, go ahead, try it. Give it a shot. See if it works. And I was like really straining. And then I finally was able to pee. And I ended up pissing all over this uh, mattress thingy. <laughs> um, so I'm looking at I'm looking at and and that saved it that that stopped the the deluge the infinite power of God being blasted down into my skull, um, <laughs> and and I was sitting there like soaked in my own piss, absolutely terrified, like like I'm I'm like. I was, I, I was so happy to be alive, but also so terrified of what I just saw. Um, it was, it was too much. I was like, I am never demanding something of God again. And then the other thing is, the other thing is anyone listening to this, if you are offered the opportunity to see God in his unfiltered form, 
Say no. Trust me on this. Don't go there. Um, God is awesome. He's amazing. He's beautiful. He's awesome. Everything. But he is infinitely, infinitely powerful. And you do not want to see what he has to deal with. Trust me when I say that. And dude, the reason I say that is I really cannot express into words what I saw. It was not hellish. Now, hell is a whole different uh, beast, no pun intended. A whole other different beast to where it's so mortifying. I cannot tell you, I cannot express how mortifying it is. Now, the infinite power of God that I saw, equally indescribable, but in a completely different way. It's not hellish, but it is so freaking intense and powerful. I, 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 there's no way that I can describe it. All I know is that you come away from that experience and you're like, holy shit, you get down on your knees and you worship right now. Like God and what he has to deal with is so many orders of magnitude beyond what we can even conceive of as infinity. You, me, everyone, we are a blip on a blip on a blip on a blip on a blip ad infinitum. Like God wiping out the entire planet or even our entire universe would be the equivalent of, I'm trying to think of something that is the least amount of effort possible. It's like, like blinking an eye, little to no effort from such a powerful being. And not only knowing that, but but feeling that. I just sat there in wonderment that A, not only has he not done that, but B, he somehow still loves us. We're nothing, yet he still loves us. He doesn't need to love us, y'all. Why in the world would something that powerful love us? Like, there's no way to wrap your brain around that. That love, that that completely illogical yet unyielding and all-encompassing love. It's ridiculous. Like, the human equivalent of that would be something like this. Let's say that, we, that our entire species, the entire planet, gathered up all of our resources to build a spaceship so that we can go to the Andromeda Galaxy that's, what, two million light years away? And I think it's four, but yeah. Something like that. So let's say it's four. So we build a light speed spaceship, right? Four million years to get there. Mm-hmm. Four million years. That's uh, uh, t- 20 times the length of time that the human species has been on this planet. I, I don't even want to do the math on how many generations of humans that that would take to cover that four million year journey, but it's a lot. And so after four million years, we finally reach the outskirts of the Andromeda Galaxy, but then we travel an extra, I don't know, 15,000 light years just to get to one single solar system. Then, once we're in that solar system, we target and go to one single planet. And then we land our spacecraft, we get out, and we find one atom, but not even one atom, one subatomic particle inside of that atom. Let's say that you're able to split out like one tiny little neutrino from that atom. And imagine pouring all of your love into that one neutrino. 
I mean, your entire civilization building and boarding a spacecraft for a 4,015,000 year journey just so you can single out one neutrino and love that neutrino? It makes absolutely no sense, yet God loves us in a similar manner. I'm sorry, y'all. That... You can't even imagine the power. It's so scary. It's scary, the power. It's frightening, the power. Absolutely frightening. And that it still loves us, somehow. <laughs> and so I was just sitting there, dumbfounded, trying to contemplate and figure out that riddle. And you know, God had stopped that deluge a, a while ago, so he's just basically uh, chilling up near the ceiling. So I figured that I would just ask him directly. And I asked the void, which is now what it had become, I said, How do you still love us? I mean, you, the stuff that you're wrestling with like that? Jeez, I'm sorry to gesture like it's like nothing. Jeez, it almost killed me. It's freaking crazy, y'all. So how do you, how do you still love people? Like, what is it about us that, what is it about us? And the thing is, you know, sometimes when you're on autopilot and you're just kind of doing something unconsciously that you had no idea that you were doing. Mm -hmm. Well, for whatever reason, I was holding the crucifix in a very peculiar manner. Like I had my elbow bent and my palm up and out, uh, kind of like if I was a waiter holding a tray and resting gently in my palm, facing out, uh, perfectly centered, is Jesus on the cross. And remember, I'm completely unaware of this. I mean, I'm focusing on the question at hand, uh, no pun intended, like, why do you still love us? And I heard this voice from God that said, your answer is right there. And I turned my head and what do I see? The cross and Jesus in my palm. That's the answer. Jesus. <laughs> you love us so much that you gave your own son. You love us so much, despite all of that cosmic. What I saw y'all there, God has other things going on that he does not need to monkey around with our little mammalian brains it's like like why how does how does he love us so much despite all that how and the, the crazy thing is is that wasn't really an answer i mean the, the, uh, showing me jesus is not an answer as to why he loves us I mean, I can't really make much sense of what it all meant, but to me, that was just an indicator of how much he loves us. I mean, if scripture is to be believed, and if I am to believe what I felt in the moment, he either sent his son or he sent himself. I mean, whichever way you want to look at it, but regardless, the the divine, the, the infinite power of God humbled itself and, 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 you know, crammed itself down into this little skin and guts package that we call a human being and lived amongst us. But, but not only lived, the, the most important part here is, is died amongst us and, and died for us. And not only died for us, but, but died for the absolute worst in us. I mean, it just amazes me. 
And so I was just sitting there understanding the full love uh, that God has for us, but but still not understanding why. I don't understand. I'll, I'll spend the rest of my life trying to figure that out. I, I knew Jesus was part of the answer, but I don't know. And I know Jesus is part of the problem. I think I've... And there's this moment where I look down at the cross. Um, I had been clutching it for dear life this whole time, and I, I was checking to see if I had damaged it. Now he's still intact. Look at that. That's a miracle right there. And luckily there was no real damage, like the King of the Jews little sign was uh, was a little off-kilter. I kind of fixed that. Uh. But no uh, unfixable damage. And it was while uh, looking at the cross and checking it for damage that, uh, I don't know, I just, I had this deep empathy for the man. Trying to doctor him up. This poor guy. This poor guy having to describe to people that... This poor guy. <laughs> oh my goodness. Like, this guy had the impossible task of coming down and explaining all of that infinite power and, you know, the multiverse is just the start of all of that and he can go infinity beyond the multiverse and trying to explain to people it, it, 2,000 years ago all of that. And I was just thinking to myself that that, that poor man... You talk about Mission Impossible, and knowing that, and letting that all sink in, and knowing what this man's uh, lot in life, what his uh, duty was, I just wanted to hug him. Sweet baby Jesus, I just want to hug you. The words coming out of his mouth, y'all, it's just, just like, he's trying to tell us. And I don't know about the rest of the prophets or whatever. There are symbols for blah and symbols for that. I'm, I'm holding a symbol right now in the palm of my hand that just rescued me from the absolute overwhelming, cosmic, life-threatening power of God. So you want to talk about a symbol. You talk about your little monkey business all day long. This man was real. And this man died for your sins. That sound means that we've reached the intermission. And I highly recommend you take one. I mean, we've been blasted with the infinite <laughs> for an hour already. So, uh, yeah, go, go take a little break there. Kick your feet up, lay down, uh, make yourself some coffee or some food or a little alcoholic beverage, maybe. Um, and, and yeah, just come back and mosey on back and, and, and join us whenever you're ready for the next part. The second half is where things are going to get very controversial. We got a little bit more of the trip to cover. And in that little bit, there is uh, some very um, jarring concepts that we'll be covering. And then things get brought into real life in one of the most bone-chilling synchronicity events that I've ever uh, experienced or can even conceive of. Honestly, this is probably going to be where I lose a lot of support. (laughs) So I'm sorry ahead of time. Get ready, because it's coming. Here we go. Alrighty, we're back, and we're going to shift gears a little bit, uh, you know, back to a more narrative approach here. My collaborator, the the fella that interviews me, I'm cutting him out for the time being for a couple of reasons. Uh, it's fucking hard to hear. You love sounding your own voice, that's fine. Like, firstly, 
there's just a lot more that happens during this trip but the problem is is that it it either gets you know too repetitive uh, like i just keep talking about the infinite power and how we are you know all a speck on a speck on a speck i'm sure you get the point by now there was a portal to god that opened up right here where i'm sitting and it almost killed me <laughs> so it was either that or i was covering stuff that is uh, deeply personal but in a boring way like, basically, I spend a good 20 minutes of the trip debating with myself why finding God through psychedelics, uh, you know, shouldn't carry the stigma that it certainly does. And people, we need to forget about the bullshit about, like, you can't do psychedelics and see God. Well, guess what? I just did psychedelics and I saw God. Get over yourselves. Whether I came up through it through psychedelics or whatever. And, you know, I made some good arguments in there, but I have since come to terms with that whole concept and it, it kind of no longer bothers me. It's like, it's like, who am I trying to convince? Like believers? <laughs> like they already believe. It's like, I'm sorry to say this, but you are not my target audience. I don't need to tell you about God. You already know. God has a personal relationship with all of us and you have your relationship and I have mine. So go enjoy your relationship and be happy that I took action, albeit drastic action to repair my uh, wrecked mind and, and God met me there okay it was his will so be happy about that but again you're not my target audience anywho I'm skipping over that whole segment even though I kind of just kind of rehashed it a little bit <laughs> but I'm skipping over that whole segment and several other segments where I just keep railing on and on about the infinite power I think we all get it by now and the other reason why I'm switching to a more narrative approach and dropping my interviewer is because I will be barreling into, uh, like jumping headfirst into an extremely controversial subject matter. Like, no joke, a subject matter that people kill each other about. In fact, over time, millions of people have died about this subject matter and in horrific ways. So bottom line, I don't want to rope him into my controversy. But we're going to cover that whole controversial subject a little later. Uh, for now, we're going to jump back into the action. So from here, just to let you know what's in store, um, we're, we're going to take a bit of a reprieve from that infinite power, you know, like uh, I think we've been walloped by that uh, quite well. So we're going to dive into a little bit lighter subject matter, a little bit more fun, so to speak, and um, but still deep. Like, we're actually going to revisit a couple of concepts uh, from Trip 5, The Answer. N namely, life is a joke. We're going to dive into that w way deeper. And then we're also going to cover the kind of the sense of humor that God has. Uh, we're going to, you know, namely, poo-poo humor. And so there's a little bit of a warning there is that uh, coming up, we're going to talk a little bit about poop. You're going to hear about poop and you're going to hear about, uh, sorry to say this, buttholes. <laughs> I'm sorry to say it. But hopefully that'll liven things up a bit before we dive into the abyss again. And this abyss that we're going to dive into, y'all, is um, quite deep and quite terrifying. And I will be giving a narrated explanation and warning about that part before it comes up because one cannot be dropped straight into the abyss. You'll be crushed. Before we dare go to those depths, we will need to figuratively board the mental equivalent of the Trieste, okay, the submarine, the, the, the Bathysgath that famously was the first manned submarine to descend into the Marianas Trench, Challenger Deep. Remember I mentioned that earlier? The introduction that I give a little bit later will hopefully act as that submarine, 
protecting us from a subject that is equally as deadly as Challenger Deep. Okay, you'll understand why later. And then, after we dive deep into that subject matter, this episode will close with one of my famous synchronicities, one that happened to me two days after my ayahuasca experience that ties all of these concepts together in the most jaw-droppingly haunting, bone-chilling, soul-stirring, I dare to say beautiful because I, I do find it overwhelmingly so on top of all of that, but, but it ties it all together in an immensely powerful way. A way that is kind of like a wink, a, a reminder of the infinite power. A way in which if you were to fully understand the series of events that happened in the synchronicity, you would fully understand all of existence. But not just our little spec on a spec on a spec on a spec. I'm talking existence beyond the multiverse, okay? Beyond infinity. That's how deep the, the last part of this episode is going to be, okay? So let's just hope that our little submarine, our, our, our little bathyscaphe, which, by the way, is one of the coolest words ever, let's hope that that remains uh, structurally intact as we plunge into the abyss. Here we go. Okay, so we just took a, a little break there. Let's recap quickly what has happened so far in this story. If you recall, for the first time, uh, I brought a crucifix and Bible into my ayahuasca session. I used the crucifix to test this angelic-looking being that I always see, the, the one that I call God, and uh, it taught me a lesson about the symbol that I was you know, wielding as a weapon, and I had a very powerful uh, Jesus experience about his uh, sacrifice that he made. When I had learned that lesson and recovered a little bit, I kind of got a little agitated and demanded to see God because I wanted to, you know, get further clarification on what my path is. He shows up. He shows me the multiverse. Then I take a trip beyond infinity to see all of the, you know, things that God is dealing with, like all, all of the fires that God has his irons in, so to speak, you know, of which Earth is just the tiniest, 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 like the, so unimaginably tiny thing that God has to deal with that it, it just is mind-blowing and the sheer power of all of this almost kills me a couple times uh jesus sticks his hands down my throat to try to get me to vomit but i end up pissing myself instead so that catches us up and so at this point i am recovering i have stripped myself naked because uh, i peed myself and if you think that's disgusting, well, first of all, it is. But I seriously was in fight-or-flight mode, you know, in fear of my life, pure terror. Okay, I couldn't help myself. And, you know, I can't get up to clean myself or the floor because I, I physically cannot walk. Like, not only am I that weak, but I, I am that discombobulated. But regardless, there I am. Well, uh, there we are, you know, me, Jesus, and God, who, if you recall, uh, for the first time in me seeing his presence on my trips, has turned into the void. Uh, but it's strange. It was still light, like a blinding light, but, but still a black void. It's kind of hard to explain. But anyway, I'm there marveling at the immensity of what I just saw, felt, experienced, and a few things occurred to me. That was maybe a little window into the mind of God or, or the personality of God, if you will. And these are reasons why, uh, against all odds, uh, God is good, to use an overused phrase. So, number one, first and foremost, the fact that existence is even a thing. 
like, you know, God, he didn't need to create anything like any of this, you know, so existence is a thing. So thank you, God, for that. (laughs) Number two, the fact that he doesn't just blink his eye and wipe everything out like this planet our galaxy, our universe, the multiverse, like he, he could wipe it all out if he wanted to very easily. So um, thank you, God, for not doing that either. Uh, that's pretty cool, right? And the third and, and arguably the deepest thing is that beauty is even a thing. Like love is even a thing. Uh, goodness is even a thing. Like think about it for a moment. Like he structured existence so that all of that, you know, love, beauty, goodness... It's not only a thing, but it's it's fundamental. Like, for whatever reason, th- that, that's the thing that gets us by. And, and the beauty of it all, you know, some could call it tragic beauty, is the riddle, the duality, the paradox, the yin to the yang, the joke of needing darkness to understand and appreciate light. I mean, to me, it's a perfect and beautiful riddle, a, a joke. And the fact that existence is structured by him thusly, is proof that, you know, to use that overused phrase again, God is good. But, you know, hearing God is good and even saying it is one thing. I mean, you can say it a quadrillion times and not understand that God has infinite power and doesn't have to be good, yet he is. And you can bellyache all day long about, you know, like, well, then why does life suck? And I would reply to you with, it doesn't have to suck. Like, there's a way out in which no matter what your circumstances are, you are tapped into the essence of pure happiness. I mean, you copy and paste any kind of miserable circumstance onto that, and and misery can't touch you if you're tapped into the essence of happiness. But secondly, and and again, I, I would like to point out that without misery you would not know joy. And by the way, just be happy that we experience the tiny amount of misery that God allows us to experience. Because let me tell you, the misery, the darkness, the evil that God deals with, that God battles with in that inconceivably massive cosmic war that I described earlier, that evil is beyond words, okay? Unspeakable. And even though that same evil can extend itself into our existence, just be happy that we are filtered from the full brunt of that. So believe me when I say that he does not need to play nice and allow things like love and beauty to exist, but he does. And for that, and for uh, various uh, immeasurable other reasons, you get down on your knees and you worship. Well, Andrew, I don't think that's cool. How arrogant of God uh, to demand praise and and demand that we get down on our knees and worship. You know, if I was God, I wouldn't demand something like that. I would be humble and demure. Well, y'all, I can't fully grasp what all is going on up there, but all I can say is that it's God, okay? God, infinite power, and he has his thumb on all of us. So if he wants praise, again, you get down on your little knees, oh ye who thinks you have everything figured out, or, or at least has a system in place to eventually figure everything out, I'm telling you there are things so far beyond your precious little science, logic, and even math. I'm telling you, humble your bloated self, your bloated ego, get down on your knees, and not only worship, but pray for mercy. Period. Anyway, 
Sorry about that little rant there. Uh, time to get back to the trip. So, there I am, soaked in my own pee, naked, you know, with a flashlight, <laughs> shining it out into the void, terrified, uh, thankful to be alive, uh, and, and pondering the Mysterium Tremendum, further pondering the riddle, you know, the, the joke... And then suddenly blasted into my brain was another layer to this whole life is a joke thing. Yet another piece to the puzzle. But you know, it's funny. And of course it's funny because life is a joke. But this whole thought process started, of course, with poop. When I say the glory and majesty of God, you had better believe me. It almost killed me. And I'm clutching to my dear best friend, newfound best friend, Jesus Christ, to help me from that. No offense, God. I'm not saying you have it under control is what I'm saying, and you don't need to bother yourselves, yourself with, with me <laughs> or any of my monkey-brained brethren on this marble, you know, hurtling through space at thousands upon thousands of miles per Hundreds of thousands of all the trajectories and the freaking galaxies. And it's like, which way is up? Which way is down? Which way are we approaching this little bullshit planet that we're on here? From the infinite. God, you don't need to worry yourselves. Yeah, I said yourselves, plural. That's interesting. How's that for a... For a a moniker, a, a, a pronoun, right? Yourselves. God. You don't need to bother yourselves. <laughs> it just naturally flew out of my mouth. That was a great joke, God. That was a great one. God still has a sense of humor, y'all. After all of that. And he still loves us for some reason. Y'all, when I said that, that God has a... a, a like poo-poo humor, it's, it's for real. Think about this for a second. Everybody has a butthole, okay? That's all you need to say. How freaking funny is that? Adolf Hitler with all his terrible awe, just the side of my face just started almost rotting off mentioning his name. But y'all, that, that guy with all of his bullshit power, he had a little butthole. And he had to poop with that butthole just about every day. How funny is that? Uh, the, the, the sexiest woman on the planet, right? You, let's just start naming names, right? For me, it was like Selma Hayek circa 1999, that scene in Dogma. She has a butthole <laughs> that she has to poop out of. It's hilarious. All of us, all of our power and uh, like, it's just like, we think we're so bad. Julius Caesar, right? All of his conquests and, and uh, Gaul and everything. He had to sit down every day and poop out of his butthole. <laughs> and then wipe it. He may have had servants to, like, wipe his little ass. His little... <laughs> he probably had a servant to wipe his little ass. You go carry on with yourself, Julius Caesar. You get out of here with that monkey business. I'm done with you, man. Let the die be cast. Go fuck off, man. <laughs> you pagan. You fucking pagan. I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry. 
Sorry. We all have little buttholes, y'all, <laughs> that we have to poop out of. It's so funny. <laughs> My beautiful wife. She tries to hide it as much as she can. She is the ninja of pooping out. It practically doesn't happen with her. Like, I'm still trying to solve the mystery on how this beautiful woman does it. <laughs> but she does. And there's this moment where I, I have gone a little too far on this whole poo-poo humor kind of uh, soliloquy. And I remember that I'm holding a crucifix in my hand and, and I kind of look over at the crucifix. Poo-poo humor, y'all. It's great. It's a great thing. There's like, a, I'm sorry, Jesus. I know I'm not, I'm sorry. I'm sorry about talking about buttholes and pooping and stuff. So sorry. And Jesus at at no point became animated on this cross. Like he didn't like jump up off the cross and start talking to me or something. And, and I couldn't see his little face, you know, move or, or whatever when he was talking. I mean, I, I heard voices uh, coming from the cross and everything, and, and I got overall feelings from it. And so when I look over and I see Jesus, I'm not seeing him look at me in, uh, you know, uh, disapproval. But I'm telling you, you could definitely feel it. I know, I know, Jesus. I'm sorry. But it is funny. Come on, you gotta admit that this, that is friggin' funny. He was not laughing. Needless to say, he was not thrilled about my little poo-poo humor uh, soliloquy. Can you at least admit that it's funny? See, here he is setting the example, y'all. He's like, nope. <laughs> And I'm trying to get him to lighten up a little bit. Like, I, I, surely he had a sense of humor. Jesus had a sense of humor. Come on. I'm sure a billion people can point out things in the Bible of Jesus doing something hilarious. You know, come on. Jesus, quit. Come on. But he's standing firm, you know, ten toes down. He's not budging at all. And, you know, it, it kind of makes sense. I mean, after all, it, he's the one who sets the example. Like, he is the example. So, of course, with him, it's going to be all business. But regardless, I keep trying to get him to kind of uh, lighten up. And, you know, I, I once again mention how life is a joke. It's a beautiful thing, Jesus. Come on. Seriously, it's, it's actually kind of beautiful. It's a joke. It's a big joke. Come on, you can laugh at that. Come on, man. And that's when I stumbled upon or, you know, had it downloaded into my brain is probably the more accurate uh, way to put it on how the joke started in the first place. The joke of existence. And, and you people who just love and worship science and uh, you, you religious people out there, you'll be kind of shocked and amazed uh, when I say that the origins are equally scientific and spiritual. The jokes in life, everything's a joke, y'all. Everything's Our universe is a joke, y'all. Cancels itself out. It's a quantum fluctuation whose net energy is zero. There is a negative potential energy in the force of gravity that cancels out all of the mass and matter in the and energy in the universe. It cancels itself out. It's zero. Our universe exists, but doesn't exist. It's a joke. It exists, but it doesn't exist. But it does, but it doesn't. But it does, but it doesn't. And you talk about initial conditions set 
people talk about the Big Bang and like the arrow of time and stuff and how the arrow of time is probably just the initial conditions set by that, well, if you want to call it an explosion, entropy increasing thereafter is the arrow of time and so on and so forth. Well, guess what, y'all? Guess what else was started at the beginning of a time? That joke of the universe not existing, but existing, but not existing, but it, it's a it's an initial condition for our universe and our lives. Everything is a joke, y'all. But it's a beautiful joke. And and it's it's how awesome that it's all set up in a, a, a like a beautiful joke by this thing. God, I'm sorry, what's your pronoun now? Yourselves? By yourselves. It's like the stuff that he is wrestling with y'all is beyond our universe. What what I saw beyond our universe. Our universe is just a little joke to him. And thank you for making it a joke, God. That's awesome. I really really dig your sense of humor, man. Can I just call that out? I really dig it. That's the best joke you could ever imagine. Our universe exists but it doesn't, but it does. And that's the initial con- condition for all the other jokes. We're nothing. Yet he still loves us. And so at this point, you know, like four hours into the trip, I, I felt like the trip was drawing to a close. Um, the-, the psychedelic effects I felt were, were wearing off a bit. And uh, I started kind of recapping what all had happened. <sighs> I had to piss myself, y'all. In fright. And we already recapped a little earlier, so I'm not going to cover that all again. But I got to the point where I was talking about the infinite blast from God. I saw God. And I don't know what it was. Uh, Maybe simply talking about that triggered it again or something. But regardless, I got leveled yet again with another blast. It's like one last little reminder lest you forget before this trip ends. And this one was just as intense as the last one and just as deep, but thankfully it only lasted for about five minutes, albeit five excruciating minutes of Beyond Infinity. And it was coming out of this wave, recovering from the blast, when I had arguably the most intense thought imaginable pounded into my head. Okay, so I need to swoop in here and butter everyone up for what's about to happen. And yes, this is the introduction I told you about earlier. This is the submarine that will protect us in the abyss, okay? This is the bathysgaff that's going to take us into Challenger Deep. Jeez, I just love that word, by the way, bathysgaff. You know, I've always thought that that would be an awesome name for like a metal band, but I digress. Anyway, I I wrote and rewrote this warning message or whatever you want to call it, this introduction, about five times, and each time it was just way too long and apologetic. And that tendency of being, you know, too apologetic and stuff like that, that's very much a Southern thing. One of the things that I learned in like two and a half years of working in Philadelphia, by the way, a city that I never thought I would fall in love with, but I totally did, 
One thing that I learned is that I actually appreciate directness more than fakeness. The people on the northeast coast of the U.S., they don't mess around. They tell you exactly what they're feeling and thinking. And I like that. You know exactly where you stand. So I'm going to do that with you. I'm going to be direct and upfront here. You are about to hear heavy and intense criticism of three religions. Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. And whereas I feel like I did a fair job of equally criticizing each religion... I think that you will hear a little bit of lopsidedness, okay? So I would like to apologize for that ahead of time, but I'd like to point out that I'm I'm really talking about extremism across the board here, okay? And it just so happens that right now in history, Muslim extremists are the ones carrying out the most heinous atrocities, okay? But Jews, Christians, you rewind the clocks back, and we were doing stuff that was just as bad as the likes of the, the worst of the terrorists out there, okay? So let's take that all into account with what you're about to hear. Anyway, there will be criticism, but the main reason why I'm doing this introduction is because the most shocking thing that you will hear is empathy. Empathy for the people, the terrorists, carrying out these atrocities. And if that turns your stomach in knots, I don't blame you. It should. But I promise you there is a godly and even a Christian lesson in what you're about to hear. I beg of you, right before you are about to blow a gasket, just take a deep breath and just keep listening because I promise you there is a good message here. So that's it. That's the bathysgath. That's the submarine. Hopefully we're all on board. And now we plunge into the abyss. Anyway, so what you're about to hear is directly after the third wave of that infinite power blast from God, okay? And I'm not going to interrupt this at all. I'm just going to let the audio play as is, but I will give you a brief little introduction here. So I was just blasted, and I'm, I'm waking up, and I wake up to what looks like basically a moonscape, okay? So it was like the a beach before, right? And then uh, during the infinite blasts uh, that I got from God, I wasn't paying much attention to the ground, okay? Uh, Just truth be told. But if I were to describe it, it would be like being at the bottom of the ocean in the abyss, like a lot of murky kind of like muddy kind of looking stuff there. But uh, when I came out of this, it looked like the moon. It was like a bunch of craters and holes. And and so I'm laying there exhausted, uh, basically on a moonscape. And that's where we pick up. Oh my god. Okay, God. Okay. I get it. You have made your point very, very clear. Please don't do that again. I can't take it. Y'all, take my word for it. You do not want to cop an attitude with God unless you are ready to be taught a lesson that can explode every single freaking cell in your body. The things I saw, the things I saw, Oh. 
why does he let us exist here? <laughs> the, the things that we do here on this planet, why does he let us live? Y'all, I copped an attitude with God and I demanded him to come down and see me. And he showed himself in this full form. And you know what it reminded me of? <clears throat> it reminded me, it, just imagine if you were like a, you had an incredibly stressful job, incredibly stressful job, and you have a family at home. And you come home from an incredibly stressful day and your wife is talking about how little Sally stole a toy from little Billy and everyone's crying and screaming and trying to give them their reasons of why they're right and why, you know, and the dad just erupts on them and says, guys, do you know what I've been dealing with today? I've been dealing with, and he gives the full rant of, here's what I have on my table for work. I have six projects that are all combined, you know, coinciding in the moment. And I got 200 people that I'm managing and they're all, all their problems and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And he goes on this long rant to where the kids and the wife had no idea, no idea what he was shielding them from, what he had to work and do, you know, in his job. And by the way, I'm, I'm not saying is that only men can do this. There's plenty of women. I'm just, just giving an example here so no one get their feathers ruffled. But that is what I, I saw today. God came in and showed me what all he has on his table, what all he's dealing with. And just like little Sally there sitting there after her father goes on this rant and she's sitting there mouth agape in shock that's me right now but times infinity literal <clears throat> literal infinity you know we need we need to do some serious serious thinking about what we are doing, not only in our lives, but as societies, like everyone across the board, all societies, but specifically all religions. <clears throat> there is a lot of reconciliation that needs to happen. And I know I'm stating the obvious here, but you know what isn't obvious? Reconciling the best in religion with the absolute worst. Like it or not, we need to reconcile the best with the worst. <clears throat> like on one hand, you have peace, love, and forgiveness. And on the other hand, killing people in the name of God. Now, 
I want to be very clear that I'm not saying that we need to reconcile the, with the act of killing people, okay? The killing needs to stop now on all sides. What I'm saying is based on the infinite power of what I saw, seeing what God is dealing with and, and how everything we know is just a speck on a speck on a speck. And we're so lucky to not only exist, but lucky that God doesn't just wipe us all out based on that. I'm not saying it's the right thing to do, nor am I saying that I would do it, but I understand the mindset and the thought process of comprehending something so gravely serious like that and killing someone who is distracted by, you know, silly, fleeting, uh, hedonistic sin, or even worse, someone mocking or otherwise disrespecting that infinite power. I mean, y'all, I really, really hate to, to even remotely come close to siding with something like Muslim extremism, you know, like terrorists and stuff here. But I hate to say this, they get it. Like they understand how freaking serious this is. Something with infinite power, y'all, has its thumb on us. Okay? They get it. They are definitely going about it the wrong way, but they get it. But again, just stop killing people, okay? Stop y'all. I don't know if if you guys have seen these videos or pictures of what ISIS in particular did, you know, six, seven years ago, whenever they were at their strongest uh, in Iraq and everything. The the massacre of all the, the Iraqi cadets, that is one of the most terrible things imaginable. Um, there is a, a famous picture that was going around social media of there was this, I think it was an Australian guy who was called to the, you know, caliphate. And he brought his, I don't know, maybe like eight-year-old son to Iraq in the middle of a war zone. And there is a picture of this kid. His dad was so proud that he took a picture of his kid holding the severed head of a human being. And I think the caption even said on the photograph something like, what a head, like what a head. And by the way, there are other heads in this picture that are stuck on pikes on a fence. There's like a, there's like a dozen heads behind this kid, and the kid is holding one of them. And if you think that's messed up, there's a video of, I don't know if it was ISIS or some other um, Muslim extremist organization, they caught a child during a some kind of military skirmish or something like that, they caught they caught a little kid, must have been ten years old, 
and they sawed his head off. Taking selfies with the kid before they did it. And they sawed his head off. And y'all, I'm, I'm, I'm railing on Muslim extremists here, but, but Jews, Christians, before you get too comfortable there, understand that there were points in history that you were doing things just as bad as the worst of the Muslim extremism, okay? Like you want to talk about warmongering in the name of God? How about the Crusades? You want to talk about torture killings in the name of God? How about the Spanish Inquisition? And in, in the United States, uh, I mean, technically we're a secular nation, but, but we were definitely founded on Christian ideals and we are predominantly Christian. Y'all, we dropped two atomic bombs on innocent civilians. Two. Jews, I, I don't know enough about your history, but you have definitely killed your fair share for sure. <laughs> Let's don't split hairs here. Y'all, all of the killing needs to stop. Everyone. And I don't care what your reasoning is. Who did this? Who did this uh, to, uh, 6,000 years ago that we're still butthurt about? Who did this 70 years ago that we're so butthurt about? Stop killing people. I don't care what the reasoning is. Stop. That all being said, everything that I saw tonight, I, and I really hate to say this, none of that, none of that killing, <laughs> none of it matters. None of that matters in the face of such cosmic terror. I mean, it actually does, don't get me wrong, but I can understand why someone would think that it doesn't, okay? Okay. I mean, this is going to sound very bad, very, 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 very bad. So forgive me ahead of time. I mean, especially considering, y'all, I have dozens of friends who fought in the in Afghanistan and Iraq, and so one of whom lost their lives, several were wounded, and most of them have seen stuff that other you know that no one should see, and they're scarred for life. Okay, so please take this with a grain of salt here. But Americans, we were justifiably devastated by 9-11, okay? 3,000 3, innocent civilians dead. By the way, I would like to just point out that we killed uh, 20 times that in Hiroshima alone. I'm not even counting Nagasaki here. Just Hiroshima, 20 times that. But I, I, I digress. But based on the infinite scope and, and, and scale and the cosmic, you know, spiritual warfare that I saw tonight, you load up 
not only 3,000 people, and I know 3,000 people didn't die on the planes, right? But, but I'm just saying, you load up not only 3,000 people on this plane, but you load up everyone on the planet. Stick them on a giant plane and, and, and smash it into a building, and it doesn't matter in the scale and scope of what I saw. Okay? I can see how someone can easily take that away from what I saw. But I want to make it clear here that they have misunderstood if that's all they take away. You see, despite our obvious insignificance, and it is absolutely obvious, God still loves us. And that, that makes us significant. In a weird way, our insignificance is significant. And that's why, and, and I want to make this abundantly clear again, that's why we should not, and it's wrong to kill people, especially in the name of God. God is love and therefore loves all of us. And furthermore, even if you, you know, kill someone in the name of God, God still loves you. And that's what's so freaking mind-blowing, y'all. That's ultimately what I've learned today. He doesn't need to love us, yet he does, and unconditionally. And that's where I think the Muslim extremists gets it completely wrong. You've stopped too short of the full understanding. I mean, I'm, I'm no scholar, y'all, of, of any religion. I mean, I'm, I'm barely Christian. I, I'm like 10 days into being a Christian, okay? But I have done some research on, on Islam, and here's what I know, okay? And, and people who, you know, Muslims out there, feel free to just laugh in my face here for completely summing up things in such a, a ridiculous way. But Muhammad went into a cave to meditate. And while he was meditating, the angel Gabriel, which, by the way, that same angel exists in Judaism and Christianity. Huh. We're all part of, you know, we're all brothers and sisters of the God of Abraham. Hmm. Maybe we should think about maybe trying to reconcile and get along. Anyway, Gabriel comes down, the Archangel Gabriel. The, the Muslims call him um, a, a Jibril, if I remember correctly. He comes down, and what does he do? He grabs Muhammad basically in a bear hug and squeezes him to the point where Muhammad thinks he's going to die. Okay. Now, I've seen some cosmically terrifying things, but y'all, I cannot imagine one of these beings that I've seen, what I call God, I cannot imagine it coming over and grabbing me and bear hugging me. I can't imagine that. This must have been a absolutely cosmically terrifying thing for, for this person, okay? 
And I, I honestly don't remember much more of the story. I think uh, Jibril said something like, told him to either read or write. I think it was write. And he started writing stuff. Um, you know, that would eventually become the Quran. I think that's how the story went. But regardless, y'all, this man had a cosmic spiritual experience very similar to I hate to say that and please people don't think I'm blaspheming here very similar to uh, one of these mystic encounters on a psychedelic substance okay I don't know exactly what he experienced but I do know this people's accounts of near-death experiences where they you know go to heaven or hell and stuff like that and see angels and and you know dead loved ones and stuff it's eerily similar to the experiences I've had on psychedelics, y'all. There seems to be major overlap between all of this stuff. Seizures, near-death experiences, out-of-body experiences, meditation. Hello, Muhammad was meditating. Uh, and psychedelics. And I'm not saying that Muhammad had seizures, and I'm certainly not saying that he took psychedelics, y'all. So please, no one try to come, you know, come kill me for blasphemy or sin or something. I'm not saying that. But he definitely meditated, y'all, and had a vision of Jibril. Okay? And certainly it was a terrifying encounter. I'm going to sit up here. <clears throat> I mean, a freaking angel coming down and squeezing you to the point of you almost dying. I mean, and God knows what else he saw and experienced there. I can totally understand coming out of that experience and being like, hey, everyone pay attention because this is very you know, gravely serious here. Who's paying attention? You? Okay, you're with us. Now, now who's not paying attention? Oh, that dude? That, not, that, that guy's not paying attention? Okay, kill him. Y'all, I, I know I keep harping here, but that's how serious what I saw was, okay? And I'm not saying it's right, and I'm not saying I would do it. I'm just saying I get it. I get it. But again, for all of the reasons that I mentioned before about God's love for us, killing is not the answer. So yes, y'all, we, we need to reconcile that mindset with the peace, love, and forgiveness that represents the best in all three of these beautiful religions. And y'all, when I say love and forgiveness, I mean it, okay? Like Christians, we're, we're all about love and forgiveness, right? We, we, we tout that all over the place, right? It's like, what would Jesus do, right? Well, if, if we are being honest with ourselves here, you take the, I don't know, you take the most notorious Muslim extremist out there, uh, Osama bin Laden, right? Let's imagine that he's still alive, okay? This is what I'm talking about when I talk about love and forgiveness. You take him, even if you lost a loved one in 9-11 or something like that. Uh, Y'all, I'm really going extreme here. You've lost a loved one in 9-11. You take Osama bin Laden into your arms and you hug him. And you forgive him. But we're going to take this even further. You get a bowl of water and you wash his feet. But we're still not done. Here's the kicker. 
you wash his feet and you mean it. And this would be very hard to do. This is almost impossible to do, y'all. But and, and I'm over here saying, you know, like if it were me, I, this would be very hard for me to do, to do too, y'all. I'm I'm not saying that I could do it. I'm just saying that this is the ideal here. If it were me, having just washed his feet, I would look him in the eye and tell him everything that I just said here. Everything. You know, like, like, hey, I get it. The infinite power of God is terrifying and we're lucky to be here. But you weren't going about it the right way. And yeah, my loved one is dead because of you. But I know because, you know, we're talking about infinity here. I know that on the other side of death is infinite joy. I know because I've seen it myself. Okay. And that death is just a door. And no matter how you died in this physical world, you will not care and probably won't even remember how you died because the glory is so great on the other side. So in the most bizarre twist of fate imaginable, you know, because life is a joke and because death seems to be the ultimate punchline to the joke of life. And because I am certain that no matter how we die, when the time comes, that punchline of death will hit us and it will all make sense and the most comforting wave of peace will wash over us. In a weird way, Mr. Bin Laden, not only do I forgive you, but I thank you for giving my loved one that beautiful gift. That's what I'm saying here, y'all. That's what I'm saying. We need to reconcile the peace, love, and forgiveness that represents the best in religion with the mindset. Again, not the act, the mindset of sawing off someone's head in the name of God. So I'm just going to leave that there as is. Normally I would do a full unpacking episode about this kind of thing, but everything that needed to be said was said there. So I'm leaving it be. Hopefully it's clear that I'm not calling for people to die. Even though I know death to be infinitely beautiful, that's God's business, not ours, to bring that about. Instead, what I'm calling for is understanding, harmony, forgiveness, and love. That's what Jesus would want. And if you don't believe in Jesus... And I used to be the same way. All I will say is that is what the accumulated consensus of the archetypal symbol that we call Jesus would want. But regardless if he's just a symbol or not, I don't see in any shape, form, or fashion anything bad about that conclusion. But if there is a better conclusion and you have it, please share it with the world because we need it. So that was the last part of the trip. At the tail end of that epic monologue there, all the psychedelic phenomena kind of floated away and I was just left there sitting naked, soaked in pee, shining a flashlight into the darkness in absolute shock and fear. 
a little bit after that, I, of course, ate. I, I tried to go to bed, but as you can imagine, I didn't really get much sleep. But in the little bit of sleep that I was able to squeeze in that night, I had these strange dreams. Dreams less intense, but visually identical to the Aurora Borealis waterfall of God's power falling into my brain. I cannot tell you one deep thought or revelation that came from these dreams. All I can tell you is that it was just more waterfall. But in the neurogenesis that followed in the next few days, there were further amazing insights and even a few synchronicities thrown in there. But nothing, and not just synchronicities, but including overall experiences in my life, like like the five times or so that I almost died in real life, nothing could prepare me for the absolutely earth-shattering synchronicity that I had on December 3rd, 2021, three days after my ayahuasca experience. A synchronicity that would perfectly tie together all concepts from the trip in an amazing yet cosmically terrifying way. And for this... We are going to bring back the interviewer, uh. the sound effects, and the music. So, fast forward a couple days later, my brother has a barbecue competition in in Texas, and oh, I better not say the name of the city. You'll understand why in a second. My brother has a barbecue competition about you know three hours away from from Houston where I live, right? And so what I did initially after the trip was I sat down and I recorded as much as I could remember from the trip. It was about a three hour long recording and I just wanted to capture it all to make sure I remembered. And so when I was driving to this barbecue competition, I was like, I'm just going to listen to that trip so, so I can become more familiar with what happened. And so it's this stretch of highway you you know this this highway. We go there all the time. You you know the ranch. It's our it's our good Aggie buddies ranch. We go there every like once a year for a reunion, and we've been going there for about twenty years. And every single time I drive down this highway, there's a certain stretch of the highway where they you start hitting the 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 mile marker six sixties. And for twenty years, I've been searching for mile marker six six six. Uh, you know, before I, I found God and stuff, I thought it was really cool and, and like really metal. I'm going to find mile marker 666. 20 years, never found it. At the last second, I always get distracted and I don't end up seeing it. So fast forward to, uh, I think it was like December 3rd, um, you know, 2021, driving down the stretch, same stretch of highway. I'm not even looking for mile marker 666. I'm listening to the recording, my 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 um, recounting of the trip, and I'm at the part where I talk about getting pulled down into hell by myself. And right when I said the word hell, my eyes look up randomly. wasn't even looking for it. Mile marker six 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 meets my eyes right when that moment happens. <sighs> gets even crazier then immediately after that i said in the in the recording i said and i was i was pulled out of hell by jesus about a tenth of a mile west of mile marker 666 
there is a crucifix on the side of the highway. Right when I said the word Jesus in my in my recording. And so hell, 666, Jesus, crucifix on the side of the highway. And it it, it knocked my socks off. I was like, what in the world? So I go to this barbecue competition. I'm, I'm like trying to contemplate what I saw. You know, the next day I, I, I'm driving back home. And the full gravity of all that hit me by the time I hit my house. Uh, it, in order for that synchronistic kind of joke to have worked... To, because to me, that's validation that my experience was real, right? Mm-hmm. In order for that little joke to have happened, for me to realize that that trip was real, and I really did see the infinite power of God, and I really did see Jesus, and I really did go to hell, and all this stuff, for that to have been true, somebody had to have died on mile marker 666 on that highway for that crucifix to be implanted there. And so when I realized that, I got home and I started doing some internet sleuthing. And I found the accident. And this is where things get creepy. If you haven't been creeped out already. Um, so I, it's very easy to find. You, you, you go on... I'm going to cut... I'll cut this part out of the episode. But you, you, you go online and you type in and you'll that's all you need to type in and you'll find the person who died um it's like so i found it's like motorcyclist dies and this is kind Mm -hmm. of this is kind of self selfish and like kind of like almost borderline cruel if you will i was kind of like i really hope it's like this awesome wholesome person you know so that there's some kind of godly message here and so when i saw motorcyclist i was kind of like Oh, it's probably some like Hell's Angel guy or, or like some crotch rocket guy, uh, you know, eat, mm-hmm. have a felony rap sheet like a mile long or something like that. And yeah. I start reading the in the article and I see Harley Davidson. I'm like, yeah, okay, um, Hell's Angel guy, and that's terrible. I mean, people are people. I shouldn't be thinking like that, but turns out it's not a Harley Davidson guy at all. It's a gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous, like 31 year old woman, uh, blonde haired, blue eyed you know, beauty has no business being on a, a Harley Davidson driving down that highway. I'm like, what the hell is it? What the heck is this? Right. And so I do a little bit more research. I find her name. I go and there's, I, uh, you know, I find a Facebook profile and I find a video of her funeral service. It's a, like a 51 minute video. And I randomly, I see how long the video is, and I'm like, oh my gosh, let me just, that's a long video, let me just randomly thumb my way through to part of, like, fast forward with my thumb. So I thumbed my way to 18 minutes and 38 seconds into the video, and what I heard, I, I, I would play you the recording right now, actually, screw it, I can play it on my phone, right? Oh, shit. This is what I hear. And for everyone listening here, uh, before we hear this, just uh, keep in mind what my first name is, okay? I know I don't use it a lot on this podcast, but just if you can remember it, just remember it. This is what I heard after randomly thumbing, fast-forwarding with my thumb to this point accidentally. This is what I heard. So 18 minutes and 40... 
What does that say? 1839? 1839. This world revolved around her high school sweetheart, Andrew, and their two beautiful children, and After marrying Andrew and living in Texas, she fell in love with the Texas scenery and Texas pride. She will be forever missed by everyone who was blessed to know her. We love you, Infinity Mal. Did you hear that last sentence? Yeah. Let me let me just play it again because because God. what I experienced was the infinite power of God. I kept telling uh, my my wife afterwards I was like I saw infinity and I saw an infinite amount of infinity. Everything was infinity, infinity, infinity. This woman dies on mile marker six 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 on that highway right when I hear the word hell on my recording. Then I see a cross, right as I hear the word Jesus. I look it up, and I fast-forward randomly with my thumb to 18 minutes and 39 seconds in, and I hear my own freaking name, and then I hear an improper sentence. He, like, that that's not proper sentence structure, what this man says. And he says this. Again, I'm going to play it. We love you, infinity, now. That is an improper sentence in the English language. We love you, infinity. That guy slipped up. He made a mistake. In saying that, he should have said, "We we love you infinitely." But regardless, my own name and the word infinity. And so, this woman died, dude. For me to have a validation of God's existence and God's true infinite power, like. Now, granted, we, we all have our jokes. Like, life is a joke. My joke culminated right there. She died so that I can have that realization. Now, that's not saying that that that, that was the whole meaning of her life, because she had her own joke. She had her own joke going that God had laid out for her. And I would hope, in her last moments, that... Her joke was tied up in a beautiful ribbon and she had a peaceful, beautiful end to her joke. But the fact that her joke and my joke overlap like this is unbelievable to me. And is a true testament, in my opinion, to the infinite power of God. Infinite it's 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 scary dude it, it to me it, it is every emotion you can think of it's just like that blast of infinity from god that i got it was like every emotion it's like terror um elation joy happiness sorrow f you know fear anger everything and and to me that is you get down on your knees and you worship, dude. Like that, like this shit is real, man. Like, like I keep trying to tell people that it's not a joke and it, and that it's real. It's like somebody died, and and I'm sorry. Like people can can deny all the statistical kind of shit that they want to deny. Like, oh, yeah, uh, 
it's all just circumstantial uh, happenstance kind of stuff. I don't think that you can deny the synchronistic amazingness with that. I'm sorry. So, so that's my story, man. That's 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 the full scoop. It's uh, fucking hard to hear. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. 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 So that was trip 10, everybody. Twas a little bit on the heavy side. If all of that was a little too much to take in, all I gotta say is I agree with you. And hopefully you understand why that is going to be my last ayahuasca trip. Notice I didn't say last psychedelic trip in general, but that'll be my last ayahuasca trip and my last trip that deep on anything ever again. There's a point at which going in too deep is too much, and I hit that point. For me at least, it's like the deeper I go, the deeper the subject matter, and I don't want to find out if there is something that is conceivably deeper than what I experienced. I'm going to close with a request, you know, a humble request. Anyone who's listening to this, please, 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 a billion times, an infinite amount of times, please, do not, if you do research this traffic accident death, all right, I've bleeped out enough names and stuff like that that hopefully it's a little harder to find. But there's a lot of uh, really creative and really uh, smart <laughs> internet sleuths out there. No doubt you'll find out wh- who this person is. And all I got to say is be gentle, okay? I haven't reached out to the family. I'm too scared to. I, I don't think that th- they would take kindly to someone saying like, Hey, I uh, took a bunch of psychedelics and y- your daughter or sister or wife or whatever... Uh, she became part of my synchronistic experience afterwards. Uh, y'all, uh, they would want to kill me. I do think that this was a critical thing to put into the story, and that's why I did it, because it absolutely shows, in my opinion, that God can reach down and touch us and orchestrate something of cosmic significance, y'all. And if you don't think that that synchronistic event that I pointed out was was cosmically significant, then uh, g- go check your pulse. Okay, that's why I included it in the in in, in this story. Uh, otherwise, I would not have, out of respect for the family. And so, what I'm doing, what I'm asking y'all, what I'm begging is that you respect them. Do not contact them. Uh, do not do anything to them. Let this person rest. Let their family find peace. I love you all. And I will see you again soon. There's a lot of unpacking to come out of this one. See you soon.